your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, like the phrase says, your team every day. Um, it's been a fun week here, guys. A lot of good shows. Look, now we're riding the momentum, the high of a winning streak. Everything that's going on. Uh, look, the press conferences, if you guys have been listening this week, even today, Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield, everything, they just... <coughs> Everything just is so good and fun right now. Really looking forward to Sunday. Uh, joining me here this evening on Locked On Browns, brought to us today, uh, tonight by MyBookie.com. Been on the show before. I've uh, been a little busy. I guess the busy season is the late fall, early winter for my guy, Stephen Thomas. But, Stephen, uh, you may be, cl- I mean, other than Pete, who's you know got his regular gig, you may be one of the second most frequent guests of Locked On Browns. Buddy, it's been too long. How's everything going? How you doing? Oh, just living the dream, my friend, and I can't... Uh... Can't thank you enough for having me on this much. It, it baffles me why anybody wants to listen to my silly ramblings, but uh, I'm glad to put them out there. And to get to talk with you, we always have such a good time together. You know, I mean, and now for the, I think probably the first time, I think the last time I was on, they still weren't winning. This is the first time that we've had to have a conversation about a winning football team. So I'm, I'm just jacked up, man. I'm thrilled. What, what Browns fan isn't jacked up at this point? Yeah, and that's the other thing. And looking, you know, and me and Jake always kind of joke with each other all the time. And even like you know, usually you know, on a good Sunday, you know, somewhere mid third quarter, one of us is the first one to send the money signs to the other one. It's a lot more fun to talk about. It's a lot more fun to do the work when this is where the product is at. Last year, I mean, there was only so many ways I could say Hugh Jackson sucks. You know, over you know, seventeen <laughs> weeks. This year, there's so much more with a lot more player. You know, a lot more on the roster. The excitingness of what we're seeing. You know, with Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, and and everything. Almost everybody's kind of seemed to being on the same page, which is just a miracle within itself. But Stephen, look, over the last month, you know, you go to the Kansas City game. This was the first week with the uh, you know the changes, obviously. Yes, you lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. The offense looked good. A lot of people are getting beat by the Kansas City Chiefs. That's not the problem. But you saw a better product. And then you roll into Atlanta. And then, obviously, you know, you roll into last week, you know, with just a, a trouncing of the Cincinnati Bengals with a certain guy with a three-letter name standing on our sideline watching his team get their ass handed to him. But go on. Give me some feelings here. Obviously, the longtime Brown fan that you are, I mean, you were lucky enough to be in Cleveland this year for the Baltimore win. But now, I mean, you know, and you, every flight you take, every airport you're in, you're wearing that Browns gear. And now it's not its not almost so much as a punchline or you feel bad for the guy right now. It's like, oh, hey, look, this guy really likes that team. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. I was at uh, my daughter's volleyball team was playing at uh, they had their conference tournament in Orlando. So we went to Disney and a guy. I wore my brown stuff on Sunday around the park, and a guy in full Texans gear, I was walking by him, and he, he, like, he blessed me like the Pope. He said, God bless you, sir. And, uh-huh. But that's becoming more and more rare. Like I'm getting more high fives from other Browns fans these days. It's funny because I'm you know, one of the guys in Browns Twitter that's old enough to remember feeling like this about this team. You know, I remember the last time they won – you know, three games in a row, five out of six, you know, all that kind of stuff. I remember walking into the stadium or turning on your television and not having that feeling of dread. And that was the biggest thing I told you after I went to the Baltimore game. If you, if anyone who has been there live and seen it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't been to see live since Baker took over yet, there's really no other way to describe it. You can feel it. It just it just radiates off of this kid. And yes, it's really early. It's way too early to be proclaiming anything about him. It could turn in a heartbeat. This is the NFL. But he seems like the real deal in every 
possible way. And it's a feeling in the state. It's almost palpable. You can feel, okay, something good's going to happen. Something good's going to happen. Something good's going to happen, which is an incredibly foreign feeling for, you know, Cleveland sports in general, but especially for, for Browns fans and Browns games. You watch the kid play. And yeah, you're right. They lost. I don't think anybody expected them to beat the Chiefs, and that was about the score. I figured I, I was thrilled they held it under 40. To be honest with you, but they're better than the Rams. Yeah, immediately <laughs> you could see the difference in the offense. I mean, immediately, and you know they got to put in one week. They put in what, like 15 percent of the new stuff, whatever. So you could immediately see it. And I think that the biggest thing. For for me, with watching Baker Mayfield, and you and I have talked about this before, is it's two things. One, how quickly and immediately he has gained every ounce of respect from all the veterans. These guys, I mean, they are lining up to back this kid on and off the field, and you just don't see that uh, for a rookie this quickly. I mean, they'll these guys will take a bullet for this kid, and that's a leader right there. Um, and I don't care what anybody else thinks outside of that locker room. Inside that locker room, they love this kid, and you don't have to be in there to see it. You just have to pay attention. But the other thing that I've noticed from Baker is, and it's hard to separate this, yeah, he's he, he's fiery, he's emotional, he is all that, and he uses that to his advantage. But once the ball is snapped, he's not. He is so cold and calculating and no emotion whatsoever. It's just what's best for the play, which is what you have to be as an NFL quarterback. It's what we've seen, you know, Brady and Montana and all of the greats do over the years. It's okay. Yeah, something I'm pissed off about something, but now the ball is snapped. So what's the down the distance? What's the situation? What's the defense plan? Where's the ball need to go? It needs to go there. Bang. I threw the ball there. Now that plays over. Now let's repeat it again. Down in distance. What's you know he and that's what he does. He is so unemotional and cold and terminator like once the ball is snapped that the off-field stuff and even in between the plays it's so vastly different. And I love him in between the plays. I mean, yes, he runs around like he's he's a wild man. I mean, he's like a 4-year-old on pixie sticks. It's hilarious and it's fantastic and he feeds himself and the team. But I think that along with the play calling and everything else that everybody has talked about ad nauseum over the last month, that's probably the biggest thing that a lot of people never knew before. I and I studied him a lot in draft season, but I didn't even know it's hard you can't see that in a college game. You can see it in the NFL game that once that ball is snapped, he is in complete command and there's no emotion and nothing is going to deter him from finding the right play for this moment and this team at this time. And that is amazing for a kid in what is seventh, sixth, seventh start, whatever it is. It's not a lot. It's I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that that's changed since the regime change. But the biggest thing is Baker Mayfield getting more comfortable. You cannot overstate what finding I'm going to go ahead and say it. Your franchise QB does for a franchise. I And I think the way you're describing Baker and, and the funny, the biggest thing about it is it's like Baker's playing at normal speed. But everybody else is almost playing slower. Like he's just ahead of everything else. And even yes. with all these balls and, and and the balls he's throwing, you see, <clears throat> and so many times, what have we heard over the years? The ball needs to be out before the receiver's head is turned. And that is yes. constantly what you see. Uh, the Cincinnati, uh, 
the touchdown drive to Callaway, the two big throws. You know, he broke the pocket to the left, stepped up. Higgins ducked out of town, got a little bit deeper. Just a little, just a little lollipop over everybody's head. Yep. Higgins with a big reception. Came back two or three plays later. Same thing for Callaway for the touchdown. Uh, Callaway had the beautiful reception later in the game where Baker broke the t- you know broke the pocket to the right side, found him, and Callaway, thank God, maybe he only wears a 10 because if he wore like a 10 and a half or 11, he wouldn't have gotten him feet in. But, and, you know, that, that, that ta-ta, and down, and, and perfect. And I think the thing that really impresses me is it's everybody. Everybody's involved. Duke's in job. Duke's involved. Nick's involved. David Njoku's involved. I mean, Jarvis Landry, obviously not the production he would want, but involved. Callaway, Higgins, I mean, even Brashard Perriman. I mean, you know, a, a guy out of absolute nowhere. Yeah, what is know, going on there? That's so awesome. And, and you, you know, you like it, but the thing is, and like I always, with a guy like Perriman, I always go back to a guy like Darius Hayward Bay. Here is Darius Hayward Bay now. It's got to be 10, 11 years now he's been in the NFL, and it didn't work out for him early on. So the thing is, look, am I going to cry? Am I going to bitch? Am I going to moan? Am I going to go home with my money because, oh, I think I'm a superstar, and then three years later I'm going to be broke as hell? Or am I going to say, you want to know what? I've been a football player my my whole life. This is what I do. What do I need to do to stick around this league for another seven, eight, nine years, be that as it may? And that's a, a guy like Darius Hayward Bay has done that. This is the point that Brashard Perriman's at in his life. Yeah, he made a lot of money, got drafted high. But right now as a football player, Nobody really knows anything of what he is as a professional football player. But here he is now, you know, starting. Uh, and when he first signed here, I mean, he probably thought to himself, my God, this is it. I mean, you know, I'm going to try and restore a career in Cleveland. Right. You know, the way it was at the time and when he signed. But and we thought the same thing. Pretty much. I mean, well, we thought he'd be out of here in a week. That's what we thought. Right. Here's a, here's a guy until a couple guys get in, until Rashad Higgins gets healthy. All right, we'll see you later, Rashad Perriman. But, you know, he's finding a way to contribute, and he's catching the ball. And, you know, when Greg keeps saying, look, the onus is on in practice, you catch the ball, or you're not going to have to worry about dropping it on Sunday. And it's carrying over to the games. And, look, you know, as much as we say this about Bashard Perriman, it's also equal to Greg Robinson. And Greg Robinson, look, you know, oh, that, wow. the Harrison thing was just completely foolish. And, you know, Robinson has come in, stabilized. Look, by all means, he's not playing a top left, top left tackle in the NFL. But with Baker and the appropriate play calling, he doesn't necessarily need to. But yes. the most impressive thing with Greg, though, is week in, week out, he's playing good as a pass blocker. Everybody knew he could run block. That's how he got drafted as high as he did, which was a mistake to begin with. But he's stabilizing that force, and it's fun to see a couple of these cast-offs thrown in with all these kids, and you just got a recipe of something good, and there's still ingredients to go get. Well, that's the great thing. I think it extends from what we were talking about earlier, the energy and enthusiasm and belief that just radiates off of Baker Mayfield well, and extends prime example, prime to everybody on the roster. Yeah. Prime example to that, David Njoku scoring a touchdown. Does he make it about himself? No. What does he do? Hands the ball to Kevin Zeitler. All the five big uglies get in, and they all celebrate together. I mean, that just shows you, oh, my God, this is such a group that is on the same page and just having a lot of fun, you know, maybe it was because it was Cincinnati and obviously the rivalry and obviously everything else that was going on in that game. But I have never met a tight end or a wide receiver in their life who would have scored a touchdown and said, "Here you go, big man. Why don't you do? Why don't you lead the celebration?" Because that yeah. ain't the way it works with those positions. No, huh? And it's like uh, <laughs> what you said about. Um... Uh, about Greg Robinson is huge. I know we're going to get to the draft here in a little bit, but if he can at least make it 
like I think he's grading out in the middle. I, you know, he's grading out like fifteenth, eighteenth, somewhere, and that's really all they need. I mean, it, it doesn't mean you you don't have to think about a tackle in the draft, but it means you don't have to force one. If he can just be acceptable, just serviceable out there, then with the play calling changes and Baker's awareness and everything else, and having a staff that calls plays to the strengths of the players instead of forcing them to do things that they're not really good at. And also understanding the deficiencies of the players. And understanding the deficiencies. Exactly. 100%. And it's just... And here's a guy in Freddie Kitchens, and maybe he really is this coaching savant that nobody ever knew about. And it's very possible. Um, You know, it could be a guy who just got lost in the shuffle and obviously, you know, he had his health issues which kind of derailed, you know, what any coaching opportunities he would have had or any momentum he had going in the business but you know for him to be able to do this this quickly when we couldn't see people do this for two and a half years it just shows that a you know it, i mean it shows a how bad it was but it also shows b how good things are here because they're just scratching the surface i mean what we're seeing with freddie kitchens and this offense this would be stuff we would just be seeing now in week two of the preseason but yet we're already a month into the regular season and you've seen all this growth. But there's more stuff they can do week in, week out and add to it. And another one I want to add to this, the Freddie Kitchens and Nick Nick Chubb battle going on right now. Freddie, <laughs> say, Freddie says, hey, you guys win on Saturday. Georgia beats Alabama on Saturday. I'll let you call some plays on Sunday. Nick Chubb. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, you can just see the kind of guy Nick Chubb is. You know, Nick Chubb will be the guy who's got every dime he ever made locked away and tucked away until the day he passes. No, 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 I'm not going to wager anything. So then <laughs> Freddie comes in today and calls a play, sends it in, and, you know, red 27 roll tide. Nick Chubb, I'm out, walks out yep. of the huddle. And that's what <laughs> we're talking about. These guys are just truly appreciating each other and having a lot of fun. And this, I mean, you know, you hate to say maybe we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, but this is what you want. And, and it's going to be tough if this party keeps going on like it is over the next, you know, five weeks. It's going to be real tough because you're going to have some big decisions to make because you're going to have a lot of good going on in this building and then a heavy decision to be made in how much do you want to rock this boat that's going on here. Guys, like I said, tonight we are brought to you by MyBookie.com. Everyone asks for betting advice. The one thing I will come at with you first, guys, is who you bet with is almost as important as who you are betting on. That's why I will always recommend MyBookie.com. I will only recommend a service that has been good to me in the past to the listeners of the show. Um, They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online. Mobile site, simple, clean, easy to use. You win, they get paid. It's not just a slogan. It is that simple. Um... They have in-game, live betting, uh, over-unders on fantasy points, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie.com is currently slammed with prospective new members. If you register and create your account after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will give you a free $25 just for doing that. This also goes along with the same standard MyBookie.com procedure of open your account, register your account, they will match your initial deposit 100%. So what, we have five, five, six weeks left here in the uh, regular season in the NFL, throw 100 in, do it after 7 p.m. Eastern, get $25.00. They'll give you the extra 100 225 if you know what you're doing. That should cover you through the rest of the regular season. New promo code with the after 7 p.m. thing, guys. Locked on, 25. All, no spaces. Capital L, capital O. MyBookie.com. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Stephen, look, you know, some people, oh, why are we talking? Look, football is a year-round business. The draft is a year-round business. You're always going to have holes to fill. 
We're always looking at guys that say, hey, you know what? He looks really good, and he'd look really good if he was over here running with us next year. And now it's looking at guys and saying, we could use him. It's not, we need him, right. and which is where it's been for a while. And uh, I guess we'll start here. Uh, Steve, give me just give me a couple of guys, positional area of needs, because, I mean, look, we study this and we look at it a lot. Just some guys right now are really catching your eye, and uh, oh wow, you know that he could maybe fit here. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, um, everybody's been talking about the interior defensive line, uh, just because you know the, we've got some some really solid players, but there's just not a lot of depth. And, and this is also what the draft is dictating to you right now. This seems to be an insane group. Right. That's the other thing. You look at any board and, you know, people have their different flavors in the first round, but anybody that you trust out there, there really hasn't been a lot of change. There's 15 to 18 defensive line or edge guys in the with first round grades. It's just a just a ridiculous group. Now, it, it appears that they are going to be out of range for the Ed Olivers and the Quinn and Williams and everything. Now, I should they're only a half a game out of picking seventh, and they're only a quick two-game losing streak and some other stuff from being back in contention for the top five. So, I mean, we all hope that doesn't happen, but, you know. Just as much as they're capable of being 16th or 17th. And, and exactly. that tie is going to be so integral here. It, it, it could swing it either way, you know, three, four spots. Exactly, exactly. So if they, and we, none of us hope that happens, if they end up in the top five again, then you're pounding the table for Oliver or Quinn and Williams right there. I, I really don't see any other, uh, any other way to go at that point, you know, pending something in free agency. If they're six to ten, then you're looking at still some really good IDL guys, but not the cream of the cream of the cream of the crop. You're looking at Jeffrey Simmons or Raekwon Davis. Maybe at that point you talk yourself into a Jonah Williams or a, you know if you're going to go corner a Greedy Williams or a Byron Murphy or something like that. Where they are, they're probably going to end up somewhere in the early teens. It gets really interesting because, I mean, obviously there's more interior defensive line guys. you got Gerald Willis at Miami, who I just love. I think that he is an absolute monster. Um, a lot of people like Draymond Jones. you got the guys from, uh, from uh, Clemson, Jerry Tillery at Notre Dame. You know, there's a lot of guys that you could still do there. But it also, when you're into, like right this week, they're 12. Let's say they end up there. It invites so many other positions, at least into the conversation. You've got tackles you know if Jonah Williams slides maybe you take him or Yadni Kajust at uh, West Virginia who I re- know we both really like David Edwards uh, I've seen Greg Little in the mid-teens I'm not a fan but I've seen him up there but you could go that way cornerback you got Byron Murphy Bryce Hall DeAndre Baker uh, Greedy Williams uh, who seems to be having some trouble holding onto that CB1 spot there's a lot of guys making a push and you could even and I know our friend Jake Burns is 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 uh, on this uh, track at least somewhat on this track this is where you can start making a case for edge you know you could get a sure. jakai polite who's who's just a beast you get brian burns at your alma mater you've got montez sweat uh, you, and and that wouldn't be what i would do personally but you look at uh, putting jakai across the line from miles garrett with larry Joby in the middle and manuel ogba sliding in I mean, you know, there's going to be some dead quarterbacks on the other side of the and even, field. I mean, or you have Jannard Avery just standing around. So, oh, wait exactly. a minute. Are you bringing four? Are you bringing five? Who's dropping? Timeout! I mean, exactly. you're not a quarterback. Exactly. That's what I'm doing. It brings so many possibilities. And it would, even if you're into that 12-14 range, 
I wouldn't do this, and I wouldn't be shocked if John Dorsey did it, but it brings the wide receiver into the yep. question. If, if a DK is there, or maybe a, a Kelvin Harmon, who I think is perfect for this team. He is a name that is so picking up steam with every time we bring up a little bit of draft. Um, you know, I, I know Pete loves him, Joe Marino, um, uh, Chris Prasso brought him up today. Every time we talk a little bit of draft, Connor Rogers, another one, you know, uh, Matt Miller stick to football. Every time we mention the wide receiver, and from a lot of people I'm talking to, you know, DK Metcalf, obviously the medicals are probably going to be the key. Right. And, but a lot of people say, look, if something comes up fluky there, or even some teams just aren't okay, so many people keep looking at Kelvin Harmon and saying, guys, if he runs okay, he's going to end up being the first wide receiver selected. That's how silky smooth he is in routes and catching. Well, that's just it. I mean, we talked about him, what, in like August or something in one of the pre-season pre, uh, shows that we did, and he's he's got everything that you like. And he, Like you said, he's big, he's fast, um, he, he's smart. You can tell that he, when he looks at a defense, he knows what he's supposed to run, he knows the depth, and then he goes out and does it. And the biggest thing for me, and this sounds so stupid whenever I say it out loud, but so many people overlook it when we start diving into wide receiver evaluations – when you throw him the football, he catches it. It's such a huge thing. If you've got yeah. guys out there, there are guys in this particular craft. Lodge is getting a lot of heat uh, here lately, and he's a physical specimen, and I understand the appeal, but he drops a lot of passes. I just, I'm sorry, if I throw you the ball 100 times and you don't catch it 98, I don't want to hear the rest. That's just it's at this point in the draft. Now you're talking day three. That's a whole different story. But you're talking about spending a number one pick on a guy, Kelvin, and plus Kelvin Harmon, he blocks like a beast. Yep. So uh, I mean, he would be perfect. If but again, I would be very surprised if John Dorsey goes that route, par barring some weird spending spree uh, in free agency. Um, I would not be I, – I, I'm thinking more of the day two guys, which is not a bad place to be if anybody has looked at all at this class. Day two is going to be littered with the uh, the Hakeem Butlers, who I just love, the Debo Samuels, Marquise Brown, Denzel Mims is a beast, Colin Johnson, Antoine Wesley at Texas Tech uh, is a guy that I just think is going to be a monster once he fills out a little bit. And then there's Anthony Johnson and Emmanuel Hall and Stanley Morgan. You can go on and on and on and on and on, even deep into day three three like guys like Davian Davis at Sam Houston State or Keelan Doss at UC Davis Alameda Zacchaeus at Virginia who might be too small but he's a, a, a in a Marquise Brown type mold a guy that you get him the ball and you just can't catch him there's a lot of day two and early day three wide receivers who could really help this team and they really only need one Maybe two more. I mean, the way the wide receiver room is filling out, they've got guy. I mean, Higgins has finally stepped up. You've got uh, Callaway uh, figuring it out after his year off. His slow start had to be expected. Um, you've got, uh, you know, again, like you said, Jarvis Landry is not getting the production that he wants, but he's a guy whose attitude in the room has obviously filtered down to some of the other guys. You got, you got Njoku. I mean, one thing you got him credit for is you have to think he has had some influence on Antonio Callaway. And, oh, absolutely. You know, and I'll always rip the money that he's getting. But, I mean, look, if you're doing your part as being a full team player, I mean, I can understand it. But And if one of the calling cards is, look, you know, he's getting Antonio Callaway on the right path, then, then so be it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right, and you look at the room, and I know you like you, you like me like to look at how a, built, a room is built. Where, where I mean, you look at the guys that are, 
I mean, you never know locks in the NFL, but you would assume our roster locks and contributor locks, where are they, where's this new guy going to go? I mean, there's really only one spot, maybe two, if these guys develop. And if, and if our guy, uh, Damian Ratley, continues to develop and, and over the offseason, that takes away another spot at the bottom of the you know, wide receiver four, yep. wide receiver five. So it's not like they have to go out and draft five guys at the wide receiver position like they did a few years ago. So I would much I would expect it way more on day two and into day three, which is, you know, where John Dorsey has made his money finding guys. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, because, I mean, you're going to have these first, you're going to have four picks in the top 96. You should be able to fill what are your big pressing needs and what you're what you're looking for with those guys. You're going to be able to find a receiver in that mix. You should be able to find, you know, a little bit more help on the offensive line. You should be able to find it. If you can't find an interior D lineman or a pass rusher in this draft, I mean, you, you basically Stevie Wonder at, at that point. Um, <laughs> you can always find, you know, the cornerbacks, it, you know, Denzel Ward, they absolutely truly loved. But it seems cornerback wise with Mitchell and Gaines and Carey and, and the guys they signed. And even if you, you go back to the draft, uh, you know, the, the kid at, I guess it was Southern Louisiana or whatever, they, the other corners they're looking for are some of these bigger longer arm type of guys. And so, I mean, you could do that later too, where you find a guy who's got good testing numbers, but placed at e- played at East Jabip State. So you can right. get him in the five, fifth round just because you like him and you're not really going to need him right away. So maybe you can be able to let him, uh, you know, let him develop. Uh, Simeon Thomas actually was the name I was looking for there. So it, it's going to be fun with the draft because there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of avenues to go to. And you know, like we were talking about last year, you know, it's, it's not a Costco run. It's a honey. Can you pick up some milk and eggs on the way home from the store? It, it, it's it's that's really where they're headed with what they have going. You know, you're going to bring in the head coach. Obviously, some things are going to change. You know, due to some changes in scheme, offensively, defensively. I mean, yet to be seen how that's all going to work out. Or do you just bring in a Bruce Arians and say, look, this is what we got, and we're going to roll and see where we're at? Because you know, with Bruce, it's going to be a short shelf life. He'll be a good influence on Baker. He'll take him to the next step of solid rookie to now solid veteran if it was only a two-year run for Bruce. So many avenues to go with that. Guys, you were listening to the Locked On Browns podcast. Um, Matt Williamson over at Locked On NFL does a great job. Monday shows, you get guys like myself or Mark Schofield from Locked On Patriots. Um, you, uh, for the biggest games of the week, you know, Matt has three or four of us in, does his show that way. Tuesdays, you will get Sage Rosenfeld from, you know, former NFL quarterback. So much young offensive talent in the NFL right now. Sage comes in, does a great job with that. He does his PFF show on Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays with Mike Renner. Thursdays, you get Mike Sando from ESPN. If you didn't check out the uh, article he wrote today about the top players in the NFL under 25, Browns fans caught him a little slack. Yes, uh, Amp Baker and Denzel Ward were a little lower than he would have wanted. But it's okay. It's okay, guys. It's okay. Friday, Matt Williamson will sit down and pick out the entire slate of games for the weekend. So, Matt Williamson, the Locked On NFL podcast. Go ahead, subscribe. Put it in the rotation. Now, Steve, as we move on further, this is probably the biggest regular season, Cleveland Browns-wise. And, I mean, you'd be better at this than me, but I guess 2014 when they had that nice run where they started off. This is a huge game. First things first. The last month or so, you have seen fantastic football, solid football from this team. But now you're getting a team that can kind of bring it from both sides, offensively and if and defensively. Going to Houston, obviously a lot of storylines here. You know, Deshaun Watson, oh, he was passed on, da-da-da. I mean, I don't give a crap, guys. Baker Mayfield is here. So I don't want to care about who, what quarterback was not picked or Carson Wentz. I don't want to hear about any of the crap anymore. 
You've got your guy. You've got Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson's injury last year led you to the fourth overall pick in Denzel Ward. It led you to getting Nick Chubb very high in the second round. So so many intriguing storylines. Steve, this is a big one Sunday, and it is. Look, let's see. This is, you know, you need a heat check every now and then and a measure where you're at. And, you know, even like when you were 21 or 22 and going to the clubs or whatever, yeah, she's out of my league. I think, well, let me see where I'm at. Do I got a shot here? And this is what we're going to find out Sunday. <laughs> well, I, I can't relate to that one because I just said, well, she's out, definitely out of They were all out of my league, so I just didn't <laughs> even try. But it is interesting because – and it plays into something else that I've been thinking about. We've been talking about how much how great it looks and everything else. I, I And I, I it's been fun. It's been great, and I think the team is on the right direction and everything else. But I do wonder – how much of it is just like just competent play and competent coaching, but compared to what we saw the last couple of years, it looks so fantastic that we're sort of blinded by the lights. Um, and I think that's one of the things we're going to find out here this week. Are they really playing that much better or have they just been so bad for so long that even average football looks to us like Super Bowl runs, you know, I think we're going to find that out because, man, I got to tell you, um, I, I fear for for Baker with Clowney and Watt and Merciless and that that whole group. I mean, we're going to find out real quick if Greg Robinson uh, can can hold it like we were talking about earlier in the podcast. Um, the, he's I mean, we've been saying it forever. The key is always to get the ball out quickly. But that's could not be more true this week because even if they play their best, and no matter how you scheme it, no matter, I mean, these guys, they're just wrecking worlds. They are just freaks in that front seven, and he's got to get it out or he could die back there. Now, <laughs> you could, I mean, you can easily flip the script and say the same thing uh, for the Texans because the weak spot on their team, as far as I can see, obviously I don't follow them uh, as close as, as, uh, as some other people, but their offensive line is not good. So we have got to get to Deshaun Watson, and I think this is the key. We have to finish. We've been pressuring quarterbacks and making them uncomfortable and getting them off their spots, and that has led to a lot of incompletions. It's led to a lot of interceptions and turnovers, and, and that's fantastic. But Deshaun Watson's one of the best in the league already at out of system plays. I mean, so you have to get there and you have to finish and as much as we're all we're all going to you know talk about uh, Miles and and Ogba, and I'm hoping that Jannard Avery gets a lot of edge snaps this week because I think he can really really have an effect this week. I think the key from the Browns uh, pressure standpoint is going to be uh, our mutual love, uh, Larry uh, Ogunjobi, if because the interior of their line is, I mean their tackles are very weak, but the interior is not all that great either, and if he can. Get the push up the middle that he that interior pressure that he has been getting on a pretty regular basis all year and is the key in today's NFL because if he can get that on a regular basis, then Deshaun is going to have to slide left or slide right. And hopefully the weak tackle play shows up there and he slides right into Miles' face or right into Jannard's face or whatever corner Greg is bringing because he's going to be bringing the heat, I guarantee it. And they're going to have to do it, and they're going to have to do it quickly because if he buys himself just you know a split second and can get the ball within 10 yards of Nuke Hopkins, it's a completion. If that guy can see the ball, he catches yep. it. 
So, um, and I was looking at something that's very interesting. <clears throat> Obviously, this stat is a little bit distorted because of how many plays Deshaun Watson extends with his legs, but he's got the second slowest time uh, to throw in the league. He's over three seconds per drop back. Um, so that means that he's, he's moving around back there, and that is where a guy like Miles or Jannard Avery on that second move, third yep. move, that's where they can really affect him back there. And the, the interior pressure forcing him to a certain spot could be the key to that. Because I think, as well as Denzel Ward is playing, you just don't shut down Newcomb. You just don't shut Newcomb well, down. And the other it thing doesn't is, happen. I mean, Demarius, I mean, how often do you say, exactly. oh, Will Fuller, all right, Will Fuller's on IR. Oh, we'll just bring Demarius Thomas in. Right. So, I mean, you know, and, and these guys, similar in skill. I mean, you know, Newcomb Hopkins, you got to keep in mind, Newcomb Hopkins... Demarius Thomas has got an inch and a half on him. So these guys got serious, serious catch radiuses. Yeah, and not having Mitchell back until next week, uh, if he could have come back one week earlier, it could have been yeah. huge. Um, but, you know, so, and look, yeah. I mean, TJ Carey, look, I mean, you were able to do it for, with Julio Jones. Can we just get one more of those efforts out right. of you this week? We need it. Exactly, and that 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 front, that interior pressure up front, that uh, that's going to be the key to these guys, um, because I mean you've seen it over and over and over. If they get extra time and Watson's running around back there, nine times out of ten it goes the Texans' way. That's why you, you don't win eight in a row in a fluke. You don't win eight in a row because you're getting lucky. You know, I mean this is a really good football team they're playing, and I, I'll say this: it's. If they can do it this week, and I am personally not opt, I think we're going to keep it close, but I don't think it's going to fall our way. But if they can pull it out, if they can win this one, it is time to take that playoff talk seriously um, because the teams ahead of them, you look at the head of them in the schedule, they get three of them. Um, and, and for, and for any realistic chance, they have to win out. I mean, yeah, they can mathematically get in at eight, seven and one, but it's virtually impossible. So for the stipulation of this conversation, let's just say they went out in their nine, six and one. Well, Bengals and the Broncos are eliminated because we've just moved a half game ahead of them. We've beaten the Ravens in this scenario. So we only need one loss there. Uh, the Dolphins still have, I think, uh, they still have the Patriots at least once, uh, so that you would assume Tom, the way Tom Brady has owned Miami, that that's a loss, so they're taking care of the Titans. And then the Colts would be the biggest stumbling blocks in this late run to the playoff scenario because the Colts are playing just lights out right now. Yep. And their schedule is not particularly daunting. I mean, they have uh, they have the Cowboys. Um, oh, I just looked at it. They have one other game that uh, uh, could go either way. But then they also have, like, the Jags, and uh, I think they have the, they might have the Raiders. I don't remember. They have a couple games that I thought, okay, you can put that in the win column. But if we lose this week, yeah, they can still fight for it, and we'll all root for it, obviously. But it's realistically out of the equation. If they pull it off this week, it's no longer something to, to snicker at and yell, you know, I mean, you know, Ken Carmen's Super Bowl, Super Browns thing. We all laugh about it and everything. Maybe not Super Bowl, but they, it's time to take that sixth seed seriously if they can somehow pull this off this week. Well, and that's the thing, though. I mean, you get to it if Pittsburgh doesn't get themselves a bye. You're not playing them. You, you know, you could end up with a playoff game against the Houston Texans. Um, I mean, it could work out right. that way. Uh, so it, it's going to be, but look, and that's the thing. This is where you look, if you want to talk playoffs, you've got to come home with this W on Sunday. There's yep. just no other way around it. Eight, seven, and one, you know, look, I mean, this isn't, it, 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 there's just, with with tanking becoming such a regular thing, 
eight, seven, and one isn't going to get it done because come December, there's going to be guys. Uh, you might know my name. You might know Steve's name. There's going to be quarterbacks playing, wide receivers playing, running backs playing. You may know us better than those guys who were playing those positions for some of these teams. <laughs> and we might be better than them. But I, I, well, you know, the age factor may factor in. But, <laughs> but that, that's part of it, though, because once these teams real, all right, the lights are out. Okay, well, the lights are really out. Because, I, I, you know, I, I, right now I'm drafting seven and my season's over. No, 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 I want to be drafting three. And, you know, so it, it, it's going to be fun how it plays out. Um, look, you have Demarius Thomas. You have new. And getting back to the your thing, though. And look, this is going to, as much as everybody's like, wow, Baker versus Deshaun, I think a lot of people are undercutting the fact that this might not be a very high-scoring affair. These offenses, yep. you know, for, the, for Cleveland, the tackles are an issue. For Houston, the offensive line kind of, on a whole, is an issue. Yep. And, and just as much as you talk about Larry coming forward, it could just be as much that Gennard and Avery, I mean, you know, uh, Avery and Miles are so fast into the backfield. Deshaun Watson's going to have to step up. Who's going to step up into? Hopefully, right. Larry. You maybe you're going to have to use some sort of spy. Look, love Joe to death. Everything he does for this defense, it is vital. But maybe a drill, Jabril Peppers. Maybe a Derek Kindred. You're going to maybe have to spy him a little bit. And I think so. You can't let him get to that. You know, within a yard of of the line of scrimmage. Where he's got the run past, you know, am I going to run? Am I going to throw it? There's got to be somebody to meet him there. Whether it's Jabril, whether it's Derek, do it that way. I'm assuming with, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, only being 6'1", and Demarius Thomas at 6'3", I'm assuming Ward and DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to have themselves a nice little battle on Sunday. I think you're going to go with that TJ carry underneath, some safety help over the top. You may, you may go back to what we saw versus... Tampa, where you know Demarius Randall just say, "Hey, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll play some corner today. We'll put Body Calhoun at free safety. I'll take care of Demarius Thomas because he's not the elite athlete anymore that he used to be." There's, it's going to be interesting how Greg plays this year, and, and God bless Greg for mixing it up here and realizing that he's got coverage guys who maybe play safety, you know, and using them with their traditional cornerback skill set. It's been fun seeing the way Greg's doing this, and you know, maybe this is some of. His son and the analytics kind of chirping in his ear. Hey, Dad, I know you think it's dumb, but listen to me. I can show it to you right here. I've got it. I've got it on paper, dude. It's true. It's factual. And you, know, Greg, kind of you know, a leopard changing his spots a little bit, and Greg doing that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice to have. We talked about this all last off season. You have guys back there. Everybody talks about the hybrid rules with the linebackers and the defensive ends that can drop and all that kind of stuff. It's the same in the defensive backfield. If you have guys that have coverage skills but can also run support and they can slip. It gives you so many options to disguise your coverages, to disguise your blitzes, and that extra .4 seconds that it takes for somebody to go, oh, shit, it wasn't that guy, it was this guy. That's all it takes in the NFL. So having a Demarius Randall, what a trade. Oh, my goodness gracious, what a trade that has been. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it at the time. I still can't believe it now. I don't know. Who you know whose wife he was caught with in Green Bay or what the hell happened up there, but that was a tremendous trade uh, for us. And his impact back there, like you said, cannot be overstated. I hadn't thought about him moving down this week. That's an interesting thing to bring up. I did want to ask you a question, though, because I listened to the crossover thing with the Texans guys um, yesterday or the day before, whenever that was that you did. And they said something that I found interesting. They said, and I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was something about they thought the Browns' defense this year was worse than the the 17 season. And I'm not throwing shade at the Texans guys. I'm not. That's that's just what brought this up. 
I, I don't think you could, I think you could pull a hundred Browns fans and anyone who's paid attention would not say that. I don't, I, it's light years better this year. You know, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, they're still giving up a lot of yards. They're like 27th or whatever, but the defense is so, so much better this year that maybe people still don't realize how much young talent is on the team overall, but especially the defense, the, 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 there is so many potential stars over there that can have a breakout game. Uh, obviously, all of them won't pan out over the long term, but at this point, there's so much talent there. I find it fascinating that pretty much only us realizes what's going on back there, and maybe they don't realize what kind of options we have in the defensive backfield, like you said, in the front seven, like you said. And maybe we can use that to our advantage this week in this game where, again, I think we might be a little – we're punching above our weight class just a little bit here this week with the Texans. Uh, I, and it's funny because when they did bring it up, they did throw me for a little bit. First thing I was thinking is, are, you know, were they basing some of this off of the Joe Schobert injury? Because – and this is one, and, I, and, I, and obviously, Steve, I know you listen. So when Joe Schobert was out, this defense looked a little bit like a clown show. I mean, it kind of looked like – a classroom where you got the last substitute teacher on the list. And the moment <laughs> Joe came back, it was just like, all right. And you and you see, I mean, and you can physically see guys peeking into the center and almost like looking for Joe's approval, right? Like, right, this is where you want me? All right, I'm right. Gonna, you know, and, 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 you know, and we've talked about this, and I've talked about it with Pete, and if you individually drafted this Browns defense – You'd go Miles, Denzel, and Joe Schobert's name would maybe get called fifth or sixth. But right. he is, he, he as much as Baker is the dude for this offense, Joe Schobert is the dude for this defense. And, it, it, you know, and you do see it, obviously, you know, he's graded out as the second best linebacker in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. Tons and tons of tackles. Um, and, I, you know, I almost want to tell him and his wife, there is no reason you should be on Twitter asking for votes for the Pro Bowl. It should right. be cemented that you're going to the Pro Bowl because that is the type of player you are at this point. But hey, you know I I understand when anything where there's fan voting involved. You know, look, I mean every fan every franchise and fan base is going to do it and they're going to plug it. So you know what? Why I might as well as well. But Joe Schobert has shown to be everything you dream of in in a middle linebacker. And I like as far as the coverage, and you know we talk, like I call him the crossing guard because we talk about. You know, you walk a guy to the next level of your coverage. Literally, Joe Schobert's almost there like, I've got your wrist. Okay, here's the safety help. You are now passed off to the safeties. I mean, he, he just everything he does is just so technically sound. And the fact that he's the quarterback and it's everybody in line, it, it, it's just impressive. And with the pass rush that you were bringing up earlier, you've got to be clean with this. Look, if you're going to get Deshaun Watson, you're going to get a hit. You better wrap and you better get yep. him down. Stay and, in your and that's the key how to do it. It, it, it. I mean, you can't just. It's great if you're going to get a great jump. It's great if you're going to move him off his spot. But it's got to result in him going down if you want to walk out of there with a win versus you know what he can do and the weapons he's got. And one of the the most frightening things that I keep coming back to this well, not frightening is not the right word, but it's not something most Browns fans would want to hang their hat on. I think one of the things that could swing this as far as our defense versus their offense is which Jamie Collins shows up. If motivated, incredible athlete, pursuing (laughs) sideline to sideline, covering every blade of grass, holy 
holy crap, where did he come from? Jamie Collins shows up this week. Then they, I think the Texans' offense could be in for a long day. If the disinterested version shows up, that's a huge gap in the defense. And now Lamar Miller back. becomes a factor. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's not like no one ever questions the guy's talent. It's never been in question. It's just, is he there or is he not? And if he's not, it's a huge issue because, yes, they're improving. Yes, every everything we've said, everybody, everything everybody has said, it's going in the right direction and everybody is thrilled. But it's still thin. You know, I mean, they, they can't withstand anybody not doing their job for a long period of time, especially a guy in that spot. So I think... I don't want to say a key to the game because that's putting a lot of pressure on a guy that you don't want to put a lot of pressure on, but it, it's going to be a, a big factor is which Jamie Collins shows up. Uh, you're 100% on that. And because, look, there's times where Jamie Collins can be dominant, can be capable Ugh, of being your second or third best defensive player. But there's also times where it's like, you know, Jamie Collins gives you a, you know, a IDGAF attitude. And yep. you know, that's the problem that you have. And look, I mean, and for Jamie Collins, look, uh, he's got to understand it's getting late here for him. It's, you know, do you want to be a guy who, you know, still may, I mean, look, obviously if he's doing it, he's doing it for the money, but it's getting to a point now where, look, if these are crucial games and, you know, I I believe this relationship regardless is over after this season, but do you, you know, do you want to go play somewhere next year for one year, 3 million, or do you want to go sign somewhere next year for three years, 15 million? You know, and that's, you know, this is the spot, and it's going to be, you know, and teams are, you know, when they go back to it, well, how did he play? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland was hanging tough towards the end of the year. What did Jamie Collins give these last five games? I mean, the reputation's out. If Bill Belichick moves on from you, I mean, there's a reason for it. So, I mean, he, yes, he is definitely a guy you got to key on here. Um, you know, Treader, look, everybody's getting a little bit nervous. Guys, I, I don't even remember the last time J.C. Treader practiced on a Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I just think it's more of a it's a pain tolerance thing. And, look, I'll do everything I can to make sure I can play bell-to-bell on Sunday. This is where we're at. I mean, if we find out that maybe there was a tiny break in this ankle, I wouldn't be surprised when the season's over. Look, uh, don't worry about whether or not J.C. Treader's practicing. Uh, just, you know, just applaud the guy for showing up on game day and playing like, playing like a real freaking tough dude. Yeah, Saturday. Worry about it. If he's still, if they're scrambling on Saturday and he hasn't, then then we've got an issue because you know Corbett's no, still out I mean, too. But I'm not worried a, yet. If there was a center signed or something, I think I'd be concerned. But I, right. I, I just see no reason to be at this point. So, but uh, look, Steve, it is always a blast. Um, I want to thank for having you on. You obviously always a chance to break bread here again. And granted, uh, great that you were able to get a little break in your travel activity. Um, guys, uh, you know Stephen Thomas, longtime Browns fan. Uh, you know Browns mock, Browns daily mock draft. You know something he fun, he, he, you know has some fun with. A little look when you're older and you've got kids, you need something to break up the monotony in your day. <laughs> and for Steve, this has become one of his things. For me, it's the show here. Um, but you know the friendship we, we, we we've we've become very close. And you know I look I, I you know I consider Steve like a big brother. And a lot of times I can talk with Steve, and it's it, there is zero to do with football. It's life, and it's dealing with daughters. Uh, if you guys could have heard the conversation we had before we even recorded here today, <laughs> uh, it was just a, a good time. So I appreciate Steve for his friendship. Uh, you know, always good to come on. Uh, you guys love to listen to him. So you know, it's always thankful when I get to have him on the show. Follow the at Locked On Browns account, uh, you know, the Twitter account. We always keep it as a follow back iTunes rating and reviews. Guys, have been fantastic with that. Let's keep that coming. Whoever put in the review. 
saying that Hiram won't be a guest on the show. You need to show yourself. I want to give you proper credit. So give me a tweet, something, man. I want to give you a shout out. It was a good joke. Look, the thing with Hiram guy is, look, guys, sometimes I, I forget what I'm doing on Twitter. And, and I forget that I have this, which is a job, guys. I mean, I, I do put a lot of effort in this. I treat it as a job. Sometimes I get into Twitter beefs that I shouldn't. To, shouldn't. Maybe it's the jersey in me. It's probably the jersey in me. Oh, um, definitely. I do, I do need to scale back from that sometimes. But the other thing is, is if I have one guy that wants to battle me with on Twitter, but I also have 100 to 200 followers who do not want to hear this nonsense on their timeline, I have to respect that. That's you know, kind of goes along with the gig here. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, I appreciate I appreciate everything that you guys give to me. Um, we will get you uh, your uh, pregame tailgate show. Uh, yeah, Pete's at, we Pete, Pete and I with the pregame show we varied it up a little bit this year, but uh, last couple of pregame shows with Pete we've kind of nailed them pretty good going into Sunday. So we're gonna keep that going. Uh, and, and you know, as much as you guys want to pick on Pete. You guys always love the shows with Pete. So, uh, you know, we do a nice job together. We want to keep that going. So you'll get that. I'll probably get that out to you uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, you know, before we head into our weekend. Uh, but, guys, thanks for everything. Uh, you know, we're enjoying having a blast this last last month of Browns football and the talk and just the progression we're seeing since these necessary moves were finally made. It's just been a good time. Uh, as we always say, uh, you know, until we talk the next time, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.